Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Docs Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. We're sure appreciative of all the folks that take the time to check out the healthcare experts that we bring to you every week here on the show. I'm really pleased to bring the guest to you today that we've got in studio. Uh, He's from a practice that our particular physicians group works with on a regular basis when they have a need. Uh, Dr. Scott Kelly, he's a physiatrist with the Resurgence Orthopedic Group uh, that you can't turn around without seeing one of their practices around. They're huge and uh, obviously very highly regarded here in the city. And uh, and knowing the physicians that we know from the practice, I would readily have myself or my loved ones cared for there. So uh, it's a real treat to get to sit down with you, Dr. Kelly. Thanks for taking some time, man. It's a a privilege to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I think the thing that we really wanted to talk about most today was uh, the book that you just came out with here in March, I think it was. It got published. That's right, in March of this year. And it was a cool story that you were telling me as we were sitting around uh, before going on air today about the genesis of the book and how it came to be. Can you take us back through kind of the the evolution and how it came to be? Yeah, so it was never really intended to be a book. This started as a journal in my third year of medical school um, in 1994, and I continued the journal through the spring of 2002. And then uh, my wife and I started raising children, and, and I, you know, put the journal away. And then in 2006, I guess my children were about three and four at the time, and um, I just decided, you know, one day I was looking through this journal, and I said, you know, this is everything I want to teach my children. So I wrote this into stories for them, and then it just, you know, one beautiful thing started happening after another. And, you know, talk about the the type of, of stories that you're that you're conveying that you, I really felt it, uh, I thought it was cool the way you, and just now just seeing your face as you're talking about wanting to leave something as far as kind of your experience in life and some things that you mm-hmm. wanted to really pass along to your kids. I thought that was kind of a cool motivation for putting this down into writing as you have. Can you talk about some of the types of stories sure. that you share? Yeah, all the stories I really write about in this book are all about the human condition. So it's love, it's friendship, it's marriage, it's um, persistence, all the stuff that I really wanted to pass on to them. Um, what's amazing is what's happened is that I think because it's about the human condition and something that I didn't really understand at the time is that that's the reason other people, when they read it, they're they're kind of drawn to it because it affects them as well. I thought it was interesting that, that what is now the book, uh, what I've learned from you, started off without being a book. You know what I'm saying? You were... You were just kind of processing your daily experience as you were going through your training and um, clearly having you know been married to someone in the past who was going through that same experience. Mm-hmm. I know the toll that it takes uh, and and how challenging it could be. And, and uh, so to come home and, and write down some anecdotes about what you experienced throughout the day and then you do that over the course of a few years and then you put it away and then you find it again. I must, it must have been quite a quite a interesting experience when you went through to clean out the attic, I think you were saying. Exactly. And uh, you came across what was essentially the manuscript that became the book uh, and started going back through those stories. Can you talk about what that experience was like when you started going through and rereading what you had written in the past? Well, to be quite honest, it was a pretty emotional experience. You know, I started looking at this stuff and I I couldn't believe it. It just brought me back to a whole other time in my life. And and I think the reason I started writing was like I said, just to process those emotions, you know, as physicians, what we do is not normal. And you you have to find some sort of way to have an outlet 
in life. And mine was writing and collecting art. That's what I did and exercise. <laughs> that's just what I did. And, you know, I didn't know what anybody else was doing, but that's just what I did. And I kept it secret. So I've been writing for, you know, tw over 20 years now. And, and, and nobody knew that I was doing it other than my wife and my children. They just know that's what I do. Like even my partners didn't know that this book was coming out until it was already finished and done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nobody knew. Well, so how would you go about it as you were doing your journaling? Uh -huh. Um, just come home at the end of the day and you'd kind of excuse yourself or sit to the side and kind of start pinning down some well, notes? How did it come yeah. together? I get up early in the morning and that's what I did. You know, when I had unique patient experiences, I would uh, reflect upon those experiences and write about those experiences. And, and that's how it all started developing. Whenever I saw something that maybe was applicable to my life, then that's when I started writing out stories about these patients. What was the first one that you wrote down when you first started? You came home from school yeah. Or from residency, whichever it was, and uh, like, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get this out. I gotta write this down. Yeah, you know, the story about burning the mind-body connection was one of the first stories I wrote, and that was about, you know, somebody. You know, we always struggle with the mind-body connection in medicine, and this was somebody that happened to be, you know, going, going, uh, walking home from a coffee shop, and two people were involved in an altercation, and a stray bullet hit him. You know, oh. and so he asked me what I thought about the mind-body connection, and you know, my feeling was. Well, I don't know. You know, we're taught in medicine there's not really a mind-body connection. And, you know, Bernie was the first person to say, you know what, there is a mind-body connection. You know, my injuries as much, you know, causes depression, causes this, causes that. And there's not one without the other. And so it made me, it really kind of reevaluated the way I thought about, you know, the whole mind-body connection. And and that was important to me because then I was like, you know what, if he's teaching me this, then maybe I could learn something from somebody else. So when you say the mind-body connection, are you thinking about the mind kind of in a in a spiritual way? You're saying that uh, kind yeah. of a, my my life light, if you will, that uh, that gives me animation as an individual being the mind? Is that yeah. what you're talking well, about? Well, you know, I think a lot of times we're, we're kind of taught to, to treat disease processes and, and maybe not look at the whole individual. And I think that as physicians, we need to, if somebody's injured or somebody, there's other parts or there's other aspects of their life that it's affecting as well. Maybe it's straining their relationships or, you know, maybe it's um, causing financial strain. And what I mean by mind-body is really just integration of treating the whole patient. Mm -hmm. And so... Through that process, as you become, you know, you, in that in that experience, you started to be more aware of that element of it. My patient is not just a a gunshot wound. That's right. Um, there's somebody that is now maybe fearful to go out into public. I can only imagine what it was like to re-enter the the public space again. Uh, yeah. Hear loud noises. Different, you know, the post-traumatic effect, if you will, of what they went through. How did you begin to incorporate those experiences yeah. through through both what you were writing and then, you know, putting it into practice as you interacted with the next person? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting that you said that because that's one of the things that my patient said. It's like, you know, right now I have to go out and work on regaining trust in others. And, you know, that struck me. It's interesting that you said that. Um, for me, it was really about opening my eyes to... Um, to not just treat the disease process or not just treat patient in room number two, but look at everything that's going on with the patient and, you know, just treat the patient as a person. And I think that we, we can do a better job of doing that. With your, with your family, you, you talked about your kids. Um, I guess they're still kind of young, but, uh, have you yeah. been able to talk about some of these types of things? I mean, clearly you were, you've got a, you've got a permanent record now of, mm -hmm. of some poignant experiences in your life, but have you had a chance on any level to be able to talk about some of these things that you've experienced through the course of this with your kids now? Yeah. So, um, it's interesting. What, what happened with this is that, um, I, you know, when they asked about what they thought would be the age demographic for the book, you know, I was mm -hmm. thinking, I don't know, maybe 25 to 55. I, 
you know, I didn't really know, but I've had people read it all the way from my daughter, 11 and 12, mm-hmm. all the way up to 97. And they can understand it too at their level. Mm-hmm. And I think different stories resonate with people for different reasons. Maybe the story of friendship resonates with them more because they're going through that time in their life. Whereas with a 97-year-old, maybe it's a little bit different, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so my 12-year-old's already read it. You yeah, what she, and what'd she, she loved say? it. She loved it. What, yeah. what, what, what was her favorite part? What, what really moved her in, as, a, as a reader? Well, there's two. You know, I just had a book signing at Barnes & Noble, and I, and I um, surprised my wife and said, you know, why don't you just get up and pick whatever means something to you? And I really didn't know it. And she picked out this, this thing about the day she was born in the book and also um, the reason I became a physician. Yeah. She, so when I was five, I decided to become a physician, and I wrote a little vignette about that. <laughs> so, so you have, you still have that from when you were five? You know, you know, that's I wrote it later, but oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm just, you know, recalling my thoughts, and you know, I, I had this great pediatrician who um, was obviously very influential in my decision, and it was more, uh, uh, you know, he just made me feel comfortable, and I, you know, I thought to myself, I want to make other people feel the way that he makes me feel. And so I wrote about that. And so she picked out those two things. So even at the age of 12, she could find something in there that kind of resonated with her. For you, describe for for the folks listening, what was the event, the, the birth of your daughter like for you? you? You wrote about it. It struck you. Obviously, it was a big thing. What's that now? I'm sorry? You Talk talk about how how that, that experience when she was oh, born. When she, oh, yeah. Oh, when she was born. Oh, just incredible. Um, I tell you, it just is just such a flood of emotions. Um, yeah. You know, you bring this new new person in the world and... You know, um, I could find that and read that later because it's a short vignette, but it's it's just about, you know, unconditional love and realizing at the, that moment that, you know, no matter what happens, I'm here, you know. Isn't it a crazy thought when you when you see this person come into the world? I've got a 12-year-old daughter myself, and um, just like you, I, and, and I was I used to work in the hospital myself long ago as uh, in, in the nursing side of things in critical care and going through school, you rotate through, and, and so I got to see... I think three or four births uh, when I was in school, and I and, and I was a young guy at the time. I mean, twenty years old or so mm-hmm. at the time, getting to experience seeing children being born. And I, I was struck at the time when it wasn't my child being born, and then uh, watching Olivia come into the world. And then there was, the, you know, she had a real low Apgar score. First one, she was blue, mm-hmm. you know, and they had to get her sure. going. And um, what a crazy experience and just kind of overwhelming. You brought now there's a there's a person here and then you get home. I, I still I'll never forget coming home from from uh, Crawford downtown and um, you know they come in and they show you how to bathe your baby and they show you how to feed your baby and everything and you get home and you're like holy cow where are the instructions for this thing I don't know <laughs> yeah. anything about this what I am I how am I way. supposed to be responsible for this individual yeah it is no longer about you the moment that <laughs> happens and I felt the same exact way when I got home like isn't it early don't you need to stay in the hospital for a few more days no, yeah so and I'm a physician so you know it's just amazing I mean what an experience but I think that's one of those life experiences where you kind of need to get thrown in the fire because you got to learn it pretty quick so mind body obviously you experience you, you, you described uh, uh, for your readers, your your impression of, of the birth of your daughter. What what are other, you know, I, I would say life lessons that you've yeah. gotten through the experience that you yeah. shared. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you another um, another one. There was an assistant anatomy professor by the name of Dr. Thomas Weidman, and I'll never forget. I was in medical school, and I think that my vision of what I thought medicine was going to be, and maybe what the reality of medicine was, was maybe a little different. So. I just said, ah, maybe I go see Dr. Weidman and talk to him about it. So I just went up to his office and um, told him that situation and said, you know, I think have you ever had a student that 
this has happened to, or maybe they think being a doctor is going to be one thing, but it turns out to be different. He's like, yeah. And I go, what would you tell him? He goes, create your own vision. (laughs) And I think he's exactly right. It's like in life, Mm -hmm. if you don't create your own vision, then somebody will gladly create it for you. So what was causing that? What was the reality check, if you will, that, that was like, wow, this isn't necessarily what I was thinking? Well, I think that, you know, when you first go into medicine, you think about how I'm just going to take care of people and I'm just going to, you know. Angels and uh, <laughs> a little and thank you, doctor. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then you realize, well, there's these things called insurance companies and, yeah. and other people involved and layers of people, you know, that you have to deal with in order to take care of your, your yep. patient. And so, um, you know, I didn't go into medicine to be part of the insurance transaction business, you know, sure. as Malcolm Gladwell says, you know, that's not re- really the reason I, I did it. So I think that was what I had to focus on was, well, how do I get back to, to knowing what, you know, well, how do I get back to the daily life of taking care of people and finding ways to do that versus the other, the opposite? Do you find yourself journaling today now that, that you're, you know, yeah. kind of in your maturing practice, you're, you know, you're out there doing your thing and. Sure. I don't, I don't know if I call it journaling. I write and, and it's just different. I write to solve problems. So if I have something that I'm thinking about, I just sit down and start writing. That's just what I do. Um, and so how does that process work for you? What's, what's, what would be, I don't know, maybe hard to be on the, on the spot like yeah. that, but what would be a, something that would you make it, make you think I'm going to sit down and tackle this issue with just really anything, just life decisions, you know? Um, I mean, anything really that comes to mind. I mean, I could, it could be something as simple as, you know, what should we do about, you know, um, traveling or what should we do about something else? You know, I just start writing about it. So do you, do you start that process with a question to yourself and then you kind of answer it that way and then let it flow kind of like our interview, you, you come with follow-up questions and answers and then kind of work your way through the process that way. Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, I think that you, I think for me writing probably, um, puts my, you know, conscious mind at hold, at hold and I go through the subconscious. And, and when I do that, it just kind of flows a lot easier. I'm not trying to block myself, in other words, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And when, you, when you're writing now, do you feel like it may be kind of the same sort of process? Do you feel yourself pulling things together and maybe putting another book book out? Or, yes. or, or you kind of, you're yeah. working that direction? I am, yeah. I already have an idea that I'm starting to work on right now, doing some research about, so... Well, what's that? What's that process like? Because I mean, as you as you you had your manuscript put together, and you thought, mm, I think this is kind of interesting. I wonder if this couldn't be a book. What's that process like? Yeah. Um, because you're a doctor. I mean, that's sure. what you are. You're not an author. You don't necessarily. You didn't sit down and say, I'm yeah. going to be the next great novelist. Sure. Um, what's the process like? I mean, what was a learning experience like getting into that side of things, trying to talk to people about? These words you've put down, you know, were people critical? Did they, you know, have, yeah. what was that like? Well, that was a scary thing, actually, when you when you kind of find yourself putting yourself out there. Yeah. And you just don't know how people are going to react at all. Right. And I will never forget, my editor from New York had called me and was talking about, he's like, this is, you know, he had a friend that gets sick, and he's like, you really need to put this out there. And I was just like, you know, but I was so busy with my practice, and, and you know, I didn't want to do a large book tour, and I was trying to figure some things out. And I rarely watch TV. I mean, it's it's very uncommon. So... I walk down and I flip on this. This show pops up called Iconoclast, and it's Maria Batelli, who's the chef from New York, Babo, <laughs> yeah. and Michael Stipe of REM. And Michael Stipe's <laughs> talking about the life of an artist and how you you learn the trade, and then you forget everything, and you come back down and you start trusting your intuition, and that you just you got to let it go and put it out there. And it was literally at that moment that I was like, you know what? I just got to let go and see what happens. I don't know how anybody's going to react to this, and it could I could have looked pretty silly, but at the same time, when I did, it was amazing the way the physicians respond to this book. 
I mean, just, you know, Bernie Siegel, one of the most famous physician writers in America. I mean, I sent it off to him on a Friday afternoon, not knowing if I'd ever was going to hear back anything. And then within two hours, he emailed me back and said, I really like this concept. I'll get back to you. And Monday morning, he's like, I would like to write the forward for your book. I mean, just wow. incredible. And, you know, Sanjay Gupta as well was very kind and said, I think the book's terrific. And then, you know, tweeted out to two million people. And Now, did you know Sanjay before? You know, we'd met that? in the mountains um, one time and Sanjay was talking about the patient-physician relationship and how important it was to him. And I said, you know, it's interesting. I just wrote a book about this. And he goes, really? And I was like, yeah. And he said, I'd like to see the manuscript. So he was kind enough to look at it. You know how busy he is. And yeah. And he just, um, and then he emailed me back and said, this is terrific. And, you know, how can I help you? Which is, you know, all these people, it's amazing the way that physicians kind of lined up to help me with this. You know, they're saying now it should be required reading for medical students. And so there's there's a big physician push to get there, which, you know, I didn't anticipate. You know, you start off with this, maybe my kids will like this, maybe they won't. And then all of a sudden it just kind of snowballs. Well, without speaking for everyone else, what I would imagine, uh, I guess my own take on it, and why would this be compelling for someone to read and and um and then earn media turn around and say you got to check this out this is amazing i i think that one of the things that as i've begun to do this type of work here uh, in addition to our work with the practice is particularly with the physicians i think that i think that people want to know what what are you thinking what are you feeling i mean the thing when you think about the the craziest day in the office mm-hmm. and you've got i don't know how many patients you end up seeing but i mean somewhere between 20 and 40, who knows how many you have to go through uh, and see in a given office day, uh, and how limited your time is because of that. Um, you know, I know that I, I got to sit with you for a few minutes before we went on air. I can quickly ascertain that you're a very kind person and that you are uh, warm to interact with. You're not, I'm Dr. Kelly, you need to treat me like I'm Dr. Kelly. It's it's more of uh, the sense that I would imagine you presenting yourself with to a patient is, hey, I'm, I'm Scott, I'm here to take care of you. What's your problem today? Um, and so I think that as providers get to come and share some personal information, share a story, uh, why, do I, why am I doing this? Why am I, why, why am I an orthopedic surgeon? Why, why, do I, why do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and when they do so, as you've done here in the book, where you really get vulnerable with it and really share some stories that for you as an individual, not so much you as a doctor, Mm -hmm. you just were a doctor when these things happened. Um, I I would imagine that that's going to be pretty interesting to a lot of people, particularly that are, that, that are not necessarily on the healthcare side of things, just trying to understand what's that, what's that experience like? Yeah. You know, I've often described it as like a window into the human condition. It really is. I mean, we got a front row seat as physicians. Yeah. And I think people are interested by that. Um, again, I didn't know how, you never, you never know how people are going to react, whether that's physicians or other people. I mean, you know, the first few times I handed some, handed the book out to somebody and said, hey, would you mind taking a look at this? I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. And then, you know, even when I sent it, you know, sent it in for Kirkus Book Review, I just got back the book review last week. I mean, they've been around since 1930. They're very critical. And I was just, my jaw dropped when I got it back about how glowing it was about the book. What'd they say? Oh, they just, they just said, you know, it's a very intelligent, um, beautifully written book about medicine. And, and I mean, and they went on and on and on, I mean, paragraph after paragraph. And, and it's, you know, it's not something I expected. And San Francisco Book Review just gave it five out of five stars. So just one of those things that, again, when you send that off, and I still didn't know. I mean, I, I, I didn't know at all. I didn't know if I was going to send it off to Kirkus. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm starting to write pretty well. And then suddenly, Kirkus goes, you know what, this is really not that good, because they're not afraid to do that. And 
So it was, uh, it was interesting to say the least. We're speaking with practicing physician, Dr. Scott Kelly. He's a physiatrist with Resurgence Orthopedics, uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, orthopedics practices here in the Atlanta area. And he's been kind enough to come by and share some information with us about his book, What I've Learned From You, uh, that describes his experiences along the way, starting back in this time when he was in training um, and up to the time uh, where he began to get into practice and, and shared some information about some of the things that he's learned. And when you talk to your colleagues, um, and they, they say things like, this has got to be mandatory reading. What is the what is the piece for them as colleagues of yours that mm-hmm. they feel would be so useful for the budding <laughs> physician? Yeah. You know, it's, it's 25 different essays. And the one thing that I've um, realized about this process is that I'm not very good at picking out exactly what story I think they're going to like. <laughs> so when I hand them the book, I have this idea in the back of my mind that says, you know, and I think he's, this story is going to resonate with and it's I'm I'm like zero for <laughs> for twenty right now. Every time he's like, oh, I really like the story about marriage. I'm like, really? I could have seen you. You know, it's just funny. I keep that to myself, but I'm not very good at predicting. And that's what I find interesting about the book. I mean, even even now, um, I find myself um, drawn to certain you know essays in the book or certain stories that I wasn't drawn to f- before, depending on where I was in my life. Does that make sense? Well, yes, it does. And that's what I was getting ready to respond as it relates to that comment when you said I I, I missed it on what my colleague would, would be interested in. And I would imagine that, you know, think about a piece of music that you, know, you hear a song with particular lyrics mm-hmm. that happened up somehow correspond and overlay with your either your moment in, in the, this this moment or this period in your life and you're like wow that, that had they're going through what I'm going through um, I would imagine that probably colors what it is that leaps out out of 25 essays I mean it sounds like that you've got a pretty broad uh, area that I mean they're not all in the same theme based on what you're saying yeah. I've not yet had the opportunity to read the book though I'm definitely going to be digging into it tonight um, you know so I, I would imagine that giving that number of, of different stories along the course of those few years probably you you were living life and you were seeing patients that were living life and sharing that with you probably on a fairly intimate level particularly when they were really uh, in a troubled way and, and really injured or, you know, so I imagine that probably allows you to hit some spots with people when they read it. They're like, oh, wow, I, yeah. I feel that. Yeah. And I think that might be why I'm so terrible at predicting what, what they, what I think that they would like is that, um, you know, you never know where people are in their life. You never know where they are in their marriage. You never know where they're in friendships. Maybe they're working too hard and not spending enough time with their friends or you just never know where people are. And mm-hmm. you might think you know, but you really don't know. And so maybe that's why it's it's for different reasons that that they resonate with different stories. So sitting here several years into your career and and um, doing what you do, and and you you're clearly immersed in the the great things about our specialty of medicine and uh, the things that are less so. You know, as you talked about earlier, as it relates sure. to the the business side of of healthcare, it's not so fun. It's not so uh, grand and and uh, pleasing, I think, to be a part of. So what what do you think would, if you got to, to choose the, the thing that you wanted to tell that person, I'm going to be, you you know, think back to you when you went to talk to your mm-hmm. your, your instructor and said, man, what, what would you say to that person to, to think about this? I, I think the same advice that I got from Dr. Weidman was the perfect advice, which is create your own vision. If you get wrapped up and everybody talking around you about 
all the challenges, then you'll you'll find a lot more challenges in the whole mix. But if you if you really step aside and say, look, this is the reason I'm here, and the more I have to remind myself, and part of the process of writing helped me fall back in love with medicine. Um, because when I started writing it out, I was like, you know what, this is why I'm doing this. I mean, I've got, you know, people spend their whole life finding a purpose, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I found my purpose and I was lucky that I did it at the age of five, right? I knew what I wanted to do. So why am I letting some other people determine how I'm going to feel about medicine? You know, I just don't believe in that anymore. So I fall back in love with medicine because of writing. And I mean, that's, that's how it happened for me. That's uh, great. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that resonates with me. Uh, my wife and I, we've, um, done a lot of work, um, just on our own perspectives of how we view ourselves and, and how we communicate with each other. And, and we've really begun to realize how really much power that you actually do have over your, 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 just your, the way you feel from moment to moment, mm -hmm. you know, you can either feel very beset upon life is just dark and against me everything's against me there's so much you, you, we don't have to look very far we talked about the news before we went on today um, there's plenty of dark dreary news that just brings you down and there's plenty of negative things that'll happen to you on a daily basis but just like you talked about this the same the same is true for for what we do here in healthcare there's plenty of stuff about it that is not fun that is negative that's very political it's very controversial you name all the the challenging things about it but at the end of it just like you described think about all the the moments of grace whether it is um getting to be there and and uh, help a family who walks into their loved one and they're just after open heart surgery and there's beeps and tubes and everything and you're a clinician you see this every day it's oh they're doing fine uh, to be able to back up and say, wait a second, now let me help these people understand what they're seeing and take them through something or, or just show somebody kindness in a, in a moment where they didn't necessarily expect it. Um, just the, the, the cool thing about healthcare and medicine is that you're given very many opportunities every day mm -hmm. to do just that, to touch somebody when they're feeling very vulnerable or they are very vulnerable because a lot of the times when they're coming to you, they're sick, they're, they're injured, they're having pain. Um, and so now, um, it can be a very sterile stayed kind of interaction, or it can be one that leaves you going, wow, mm -hmm. that, that, that doctor was, he's amazing. He, he took time. He really seemed to care about me. Yeah. And yeah. so it's cool for you that you got to reconnect with that side and not so much have to live in the, this EMR and I've got to do this documentation yeah. and I've got to go back and do this stuff. Uh, you know, you get to live where it really is for you. Which yeah. Is I mean, the landscape of medicine is just changing so fast. And I mean, I think whenever there's change, it's hard. And, you know, as physicians, we sometimes look and say, well, the, the grass is always greener over here. You know, I think Robert Fulgham, the writer, said, you know, the grass is, he's like, if you think the grass is always greener over there, mow your own grass, you know. <laughs> I think it's about right. Because, you know, well, I mean, as physicians, it's easy thing to do to look and say, you know, look, these people in business, they're so happy. They don't have to deal with the government. They don't have to deal with electronic medical records. But don't think there's not politics within organizations. <laughs> I yeah. mean, they're dealing with Seriously. their own different politics. They're dealing with their own different problems just because, 
you weren't maybe as used to it before that it's a challenge. And so you just try to navigate the waters and find ways to get back to taking care of patients, the fun part versus, you know, doing all the other stuff. You don't have to. And so for you, because it feels to me like you have a, I can feel your reconnection with what you're talking about. I can, your passion kind of comes out. Um, how, how does, how has that transformation for you being able to reconnect with your profession and, and really go back to that five-year-old, you know, I want to be a doctor and mm-hmm. now you get to be the doctor, you know, like you can block out that other stuff and mm-hmm. actually focus on those moments now that you've, you've so poignantly put down in your book. How does that translate home? I mean, because clearly we leave work and go home, but a lot of times work comes home. So yeah, uh, how would, how does that impact you? now when you're not at work you know i tell you there's there's a story in there about a gentleman by the name of sean and his father was a, a primary care physician and, and he talked to me about this before i had kids and he talked to me about you know when you have kids you, know, you really need to be sure that you're there for him and he's like my father wasn't he's like he was never there and he's like you got to be present and i think that's one of the things with all the stuff that's happening in my life right now writing a book and being full-time practice and trying to travel and you know raise a family that it's, you know, sometimes you get pulled in many different directions yep. and trying to be a good friend and all the other good stuff that goes along with that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that that's the biggest, one of the biggest lessons I learned was just trying to be present, just trying to be there for my children. And, you know, what I do is, you know, it's no secret. I like to have experiences for my kids and not just buy them a bunch of stuff. So I'll take them on trips. And, you know, when I'm there with my daughter and we go to New York, then it's just my daughter and I, let's, let's say I do a daddy daughter trip. I've got her full attention. You know, you don't get that very often. She's got mine. So... That's what I do. Just find ways to break away from it all and, you know, focus on being in the present. Now, has that been your approach all the, all along or has that kind of come back to you as you've begun to really look at these things that yeah. you've learned along the way and really kind of get into the process of pulling the book together and rereading right. these stories and see that? Did it kind of kind of come to yeah. you in a little bit of a paradigm shift? Well, it was, it was a paradigm shift, and I think it was probably a few things, it's just like as, as everything in life is, it was probably a few things that kind of aligned themselves together at the right time. We had some dear friends of ours um, that, that shared with us they wouldn't take their grandchildren, they would take their grandchildren on trips, they wouldn't give them a lot of money, and I was like, wow, what a great experience, you know, for them. I mean, don't give them a ton of money that they're going to go out and spend and never, you know, remember what they spent it on, but take them to Europe, you know, or take give them, them experiences. Give them experiences in life. And and I thought that resonated with me. And then so when my children started getting a little older, I said, you know, what a cool thing to do. And I was writing a lot at the time and it made sense with the story and it made sense with everything I was doing that it just, everything fell in the line. Can you share, was there a particular essay that, uh, for Mrs. Kelly, that, uh, that, that was the one that she really enjoyed the most? You know, she hasn't she hasn't told me exactly which one <laughs> resonated the most with her. Um, she hasn't. I mean, there's one in there about marriage and this woman by the name of Mary, and, and my wife knows how I feel about marriage. I mean, we were married at 26, and fortunately we've been married for 19 years, and we're very happy. Um, but I understand how divorce happens, too, in the sense of, you know, we were 26 when we got married, and yeah. it's a lot to promise people at age yeah, 26. And yep. so, Especially when you're going through the yeah. academic effort that you were going through. That's very, very right. difficult, time-consuming. And she's a doctor at Piedmont, you know, and she's, she's working hard, and, and, you know, we went through the whole process together. And so I see how it doesn't work. I mean, I do. And I just think that we, we've grown together because we like to do the same things. We like to travel and all this other same stuff. But I understand how it doesn't happen, and I mean I get it. And and marriage is a tough. It's a tough thing. And was it in your discussion about marriage? Was it based on experience that you had with a patient, or just kind yeah. of things that you saw through 
through your training. Yeah, years this is a story. Yeah, there's a story about Marion in there that was dying that was dying of breast cancer, and she always talked about her husband William. Just and then, you know William's this and William's doing this, and so finally I said, when do I get to meet William? You know, she's like, I'm sorry, he passed away three years ago, and I was like, oh, oh you know, I felt terrible, and then yeah. she's like, no, no, don't don't feel bad, I never told you, and. I was always curious as to why she talked about him being present. Then she kind of explained this to me, like that how even though he wasn't with her anymore, they had built a life together, and he was still very much a part of her life. So it's really about unconditional love, and and I just thought that was just the neatest thing. I was like, so they built a love so strong that death couldn't separate them. That's a a pretty cool thing. So, um, But I know how the challenges go. I I get it. So, you know, certain people, uh, they'll continue to grow, and certain people won't, you know? Well, I... I I would be remiss if I didn't at least let you talk about your practice just a little bit. Can you share uh, some basic information about, you know, as a physiatrist, who, sure. who, who are you helping uh, on a daily basis? Well, I run the Spine Center for Resurgence with another physician. And um, what I do is interventional spine procedures and work with therapists to try to avoid back and neck surgery. That's what I typically do. Okay. And um, tell, tell the folks where they can find you as far as, you know, if they need to link up with you as a physician, because right. you work in a couple of places. Yeah. So I have an office in Morrow and a surgery center over there. And then I also go to Griffin every once every two weeks. And for you, what's, what's you, the book came out in, in March. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that it's still kind of building steam in terms it is, of yeah. it's requiring you to be here and there. Are, are you having to kind of get out and really start pressing the book, uh, you know, through signings and I am. things like that? How's I that am. affecting your yeah. your ability with the practice in terms of the time that you sure. know, your balance? Yeah, no, I, I've been very lucky. I mean, um, like book signings can happen typically in the evenings, you know. Um, typically radio, I can do it during the day or in the evening. So um, a lot of times I can call, like I just did a radio show from New York, about a week and a half ago, that was at six o'clock in the morning, so I could take it. From, <laughs> yeah. So I did the I did the radio show at six, and then I was at the surgery center at seven thirty. Well, I I can't wait to get into the into the book that you've shared, especially as I've gotten to sit down and talk to you about how it came together. I think that it's one of those. Um, I enjoy a good fictional story for sure, um, but uh, I'm also impressed when folks sit, sit down and they they actually kind of share the type of information that you're talking about personal how did this happen and and how did when when you encountered this patient in this situation how did that make an impact on you what did it do to you that kind of changed your course and now when you go interact with today's mrs jones in your office how does that come into play because it sounds like very much so when you when you go into an office to talk to talk to a patient now it sounds like these 25 essays are right there with you in a lot of yeah, ways. They are, yeah. I think when you write something like this, they're kind of always with you, you know? It's, well, I, you mentioned Barnes & Noble, so clearly you can get it there. I'm assuming yeah, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Where else can folks pick up the well, book? Well, it's also on Audible. There's an Audible version by a gentleman, Craig, back out of London. So that's on iTunes and Amazon as well. So, yeah. Any other things that we need to cover that we haven't got to today? Um, I think that's it, yeah. Thank you for having me. That's well, I'm great. very tickled that uh, that uh, that uh, that your folks called me and uh, asked if I'd have you on the show. It's been a real treat to get to talk to you and and learn about uh, what made you sit down and and pull this together. I think it's a really cool story. So, Dr. Scott Kelly, author of What I've Learned from You: The Lessons of Life Taught to a Doctor by His Patients, and in fact, it's kind of cool to know that you can have an impact on these people that are delivering their care to you and. Um, if you if you have an opportunity to uh, meet Dr. Kelly, you'll 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 come away with the same impression I did as well. Thanks to uh, to you to making some time to come by and uh, share. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. We'll have to have you back for the next one. I'd love it. <laughs> All right, man. We'll make sure you uh, link up with the Top Docs radio show. We're on Top Docs on BRX on both Facebook and Twitter. We tie in with all of our guests. We've already done so with Dr. Kelly and the folks at Resurgence. That way you can get access to information as they put it out. Um, thanks for to, to all of our folks that uh, made time to, to sit down with us today. And uh, we'll see you same time, same place next week. Mm-hmm.